Hello again, campers. I'm Dan Camp, and tonight we have the opportunity to hear from one of the members of an organization seeking to provide safe places for BIPOC to enjoy and learn about all the aspects of being outdoors, Afros in nature. As one of the original members of the group, Amanda, who we're talking to this evening, is an outgoing tree climbing aficionado, a lover of growing veggies, and fiercely dedicated to the mission to share her own stories and to grow their community. Afros in Nature seeks to use their love of community to reintroduce wild places to those who might not otherwise experience them on their own. As always, there are so many great bits to take away from this one. I cannot wait for you to hear from Amanda and Afros in Nature. Now take a big, deep breath and get ready to dive on in. Welcome to Camping Out. I'm Dan Camp, and tonight we have the honor of talking to one of the leaders of Afros in Nature. Afros in Nature is a grassroots collective to connect Black, Indigenous, and people of color with nature. In a world where everyone should have equal access to connect and play in the outdoors, Afros in Nature is seeking to plant the seeds of safety and natural environments so that individuals of color can create self-sustaining lifestyles with love, support, and community. Tonight we have Amanda, and Amanda brings with her her love for organic farming and sharing her own stories at the heart of this mission. Amanda, welcome to Camping Out. Bonjour, Dan. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you here tonight. I learned about you guys from my buddy Nick Roberts, who was like the second episode of the podcast, and we kind of just talked <laughs> about how that whole thing laid out. Um, and he yes. told me, follow you guys on Instagram. Hey. Like, yeah, let's do it. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I... I totally fall in love with what you guys are doing. It's mm-hmm. super cool. I, I think I'm becoming a super fan of what you guys are doing. Super fan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so well, I, I was like, what a um, cool way to like bring you guys in into uh, here. And, and while it's not like a gigantic platform that we have, it is a platform uh, because right. I, I think more people should know about what you guys are doing. So um, before I have you introduce mm-hmm. yourself, do you have a, a campfire beverage of choice? Mine's a green tea this evening. Oh boy. Well, last night's campfire beverage of choice was tequila, mm-hmm. uh, reposado. I like anything agave, really. Uh, oh, mezcal yeah. is like my number one. Um, but, you know, because that bottle no longer exists, I'm here drinking water. Out Sounds of like a good way to repurposed, be Yeah, my repurposed Italian herb pasta sauce can <laughs> or Beautiful. jar. It's glass and glass is awesome. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, I had a uh, I had a rough go of it on Friday night. So uh, yesterday was all water, and today mm-hmm. has been mostly water and tea. So uh, it's always good to rehydrate after a, a long campfire style night. Yin Yang, it's great. So yeah. Amanda, tell us about you. Uh, I definitely want to mm-hmm. spend some time uh, talking about Afros and nature itself, but you, the person who is talking to us tonight, uh, mm-hmm. tell us about where you are from, how, where you grew up, and kind of where you're at now, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Okay. Ooh, uh, let me quick recap to, to what you said about it being not a great, like a large platform, but Mm -hmm. honestly, how I've been seeing this grow, it's one relationship at a time. So even if it's just you and me, you know, talking about this and no one else heard this, that's what it's about. And that's how it, that's how things grow. And I love fostering those connections the one-on-one way it's just it's real it's uh i don't know it's lost art in a way yeah. you know it makes when it you're tangible. trying to yeah too much too too many at a time it's a lot and it's a lot to keep up with it's you know if you're really trying to build a community and get to know people that's time mm-hmm. spending quality time with people so anyways just to hit on that a little bit about myself. Uh, So I was born and raised in Texas and I lived there for a long, long time all around the place. I was born in Dallas, raised in like the suburbs area. My mom sent me into Mexico when I was six. I remember turning seven there to live with my family and to just know the culture and Uh, So I have a lot of strong memories from being down there, Um, which was really nice. I think it, uh, I just learned so much. My grandmother was a beast. Uh, She had like little 
pen with chickens and I love to piss off the rooster. Uh, and the goats got me a couple of times because I've been looking in the pig pen, you know, checking it out and they just ram you in the butt. Um, you know, I, I got attacked by a dog, you know, because I was trying to pet it while it ate, you know, all these different things. It never really seemed to keep me from being curious about, you know, animals, like, what are you doing? You know, and, uh, even though it wasn't necessarily an outdoor, like what we would assume is outdoors is very like rural, like do it yourself, um, environment. So that was really interesting to be able to learn how to fend for myself and take care of myself. Like yeah. independence is really like hammered in. Um, so yeah, I lived all around Texas. Uh, last was in Houston. I also lived in Louisiana for like a little blurb and then got kicked out of my church. Yada, yada, <laughs> that whole thing. Uh, let's see. And about four and a half years ago, maybe five now, I moved up here to Pennsylvania and I now live in New Jersey, <laughs> wow. but just barely. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a wild ride. Um, now I've, this is my second year at an organic farm right on the Delaware and that's been a great learning experience and it's been interesting to see how people do things differently mm -hmm. and that's helped me to see the direction I want to spend my energy in so uh, that pretty much leads right into Afros in nature because that's like my other whole half of my heart so right. <laughs> uh Before, before we talk about Afros in nature, I you mentioned something that I can't like continue the conversation without touching on, which is uh, the perspective of seeing people do things differently, and uh, you get you gain that a lot when you travel, uh, whether it's uh, you know a road trip or or for you, uh, you know you were going to go see your family in Mexico, and then all of a sudden you were moving around Texas, and now you're on the East Coast, like New Jersey, you know all that stuff is way different. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Oh my God. Culture shock is. Yeah. How do you feel like, uh, it, that's shaped your own perspective on, on life? Um, I think it's given me the edge that I've needed for my personality growing up, ex <laughs> growing up in Texas. Uh, it's, uh, all this Southern hospitality and, you know, you're nice no matter what. And so you kind of grow up in a, well, I grew up in a bubble where, you know, if you're kind and yada, yada, you know, a community, community is there to help you out. And moving up here to the East Coast, it, the people are very different. And yeah. I've experienced a lot of things that I had never experienced before. Um, well, I experienced the first time I experienced like I remember discrimination like kind of hitting me in a different way is when my mom and I were in Monterrey, Mexico visiting some family and we decided to go to the movie so you know we find a movie theater we go and I just remember catching like people's attention they were looking at us very like strange like we didn't belong there. That's like the feeling. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's interesting. It's, it's obviously they're not saying it, but you feel it. Yeah. And I couldn't understand why. <laughs> because I was like, ah, it doesn't make sense. We're in Mexico. Like these are our people, right? It's like, no, it didn't matter. We were dark complected. Like I'm, one of the darker complected people in my family and even in my own family, I got discriminated against because of that. And it wasn't anything that was supposed to be harmful. It was just fun. It's just funny. Like that's just the way it is. You just make fun of the darker, you know, kids or whatever. <laughs> so that was the thing. And, you know, I had my, I was, you know, just kind of a, I knew who I was. So I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm dark. Call me African, you know, so I'll dress like an African, you know, yada, right. yada. I like low key really wanted to have hair like 
my black friends did so that I could do cool things with it. So <laughs> I was like, I just didn't realize my, I had skin color and I didn't, I don't know. It was just moving up here. was just different. I, so it's been an adjustment, uh, but I think it's also woken that up inside of me. I hate saying that. I don't know. I just is what it is. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's like, oh, dang, it exists. I grew up thinking that it didn't exist, but it exists. And now even more so, you know, people are given the, um, the green light to really express their feelings. So you know, yin yang though, yeah. with all with all the you know terribleness, there's so many great things. It's spurring on such a wonderful movement. I think we just got to harness it in that way, uh, personally. Absolutely. Um, my my experience obviously is very different. Um, I grew up in like a 99% uh, white community. Um, I had one black friend pretty much throughout high school, and then I went mm-hmm. to college, and uh, like 50% of our football team was black. And all of a sudden, I don't want to say it was like a worldview was changed, but it was definitely like you've been living in a sheltered life. Um, and then I got to study history in college and continued to learn uh, that what I was taught in this 99% white high school uh, wasn't accurate. And there was, uh, you know, a lot of things that I didn't learn about uh, inequities uh, for people of color in the United States and, and things that were just kind of like glossed over. Um and things like that. I mean, I remember dressing up um, for Thanksgiving celebrations in kindergarten and, and um, like first, second grade, and we dress up like Indians for uh-huh. school. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I came from the other side of it, and and uh, I'm thankful that I have been shown the light and met people like you to kind of like coach me through these mm-hmm. things because on my own, I don't know if I ever would have, truthfully. Right. No, I. Honestly, like there's some of that I do, like, like I said, I didn't really look at the color of my skin as anything different, even though it was like, I don't know what to say. I had this like gloss over it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, oh, sorry. I need to process for a second. Oh, because like, hmm, it's just such a, like, there's just so much. Yeah. It's um, not an easy. It's a. I can't even find the words to say what I want to say. It's, it's weird. It's like. You experience the humanity of people, in like these beautiful ways, and I think like that might have been your experience too. Like you, you meet and understand all these beautiful people, in your journey. So like it really isn't about. Skin color. It's more about no. uh, the people and and yeah, experiencing it, it that way. It's it it. I feel like that's where where it's needing to get to, but because it has been made about skin color for so many people, um, you know, myself included. It, it has to start, uh, we got to start with the healing process and, you know, first, um, by having conversations like these, you know, yeah. um, and addressing it and being like, okay, well, this is what has happened. This is how it feels. You know, I didn't, I didn't always feel this way. I, you know, I didn't always have these experiences. So I think... I'm grateful to have had them now where I can move through them like with a clear mind, be like, wow, this is not right. How can this be different if I need it? You know, it, it kind of shows you the path to healing. If you've like, okay, well, I've dealt with trauma before. Thanks. You know, now I know how to move through this so that I can figure out a solution. Maybe that'll help someone else to move through this. So... Like this is an excellent tangent into Afros and nature. Um, yeah. Tell, tell us about the program. How did you get involved with it? And what do you guys do? All right. So how we got involved with it. We'll start from the beginning. <laughs> it was a walk in the park on the Greenway in Southside Bethlehem, which is a really cool feature. Um, 
that more and more people are starting to use now. I, I feel like the crowd there is just, it's changed over the past three years, which has been nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lit is located right behind there. And Melanie and I taking a walk. Uh, Lit's kind of the place where we came together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're taking a walk over to the garden because we know that they have herbs and things there. Well, I was taking Sophia down, noticed that there's, oh, there's these herbs. This must be for everyone. And Melanie had no idea. So I, this was like a few years ago. It started to be a place where we would come and check it out. Uh, we knew because the people that were in charge of the garden at the time were customers at Lit. And so through conversations, we figured out, oh, you're in charge of that garden space. Oh, that's really cool. You know, is through the Lehigh University. Um, but the garden itself didn't have like, say, like signs, no signs about what it was. It was just some miscellaneous beds next to a pavilion that's called the Harmony Pavilion, which is a gorgeous, like, pavilion. It's like model it's like looks um like chinese architecture with the dragons on the sides and the way it's built it's very um it's very interesting um <laughs> it's beautiful really yeah. <laughs> uh so we were leaving the garden we were talking about how important it is like gardening and being like learning how to grow your own food is has been important in our lives and we're talking about like the food justice system and talking you know about the actual community and how we just saw that there was a bridge that needed to be built between what the Lehigh students were trying to do with the community garden connecting it to the community um, wasn't happening very well uh, because there was no community engagement. It was Mm -hmm. just, you know, the kids that would come tend to the garden, make sure things were alive and then, you know, bounce or whatever. Um, The reason that those beds were there, we later found out because we started, you know, Melanie doing the most Lino is what we call her in the streets <laughs> because she, she would, she's like, uh, she's the freaking engine with the coals burning man. Like right. the woman is on fire for real. Uh, so yeah, she does her thing and asking the questions, blah, 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 you know, gets the Intel. She's like, so I found out, you know, this person's in charge of it. We call him up, we meet up. And he, I guess was almost in tears. He's like, you know, I almost lost hope. Because people graduate, you know, things shift. And, you know, now this was COVID, like the beginning of COVID season. So, yeah. or just right before or something like that. Ah, time is weird for me. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So, you know, we, we, this and that, we game plan and slowly, you know, she brings different people and we realize, all right, this like, what is community? It's bringing other people in and we're going to need a lot of people to do this. Mm-hmm. So she's like, Oh, I know, you know, someone who was it? Connor with the reset outdoors. Holy crap. That, that is just like them, the reset outdoors team, like Connor, Emily, the family, like mm-hmm. they've been such a blessing to the Southside community. Um, they connected us with Lewis um, and Lewis is like a PhD in something. I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> like psychology, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> sure I'm horrible with knowing what people do by the way, or like asking, I can like hardly ever really like get into like what people do to like make the money or the bills, unless it's like something that like pulls their heartstrings. Or, right. Know, Intermingles which, with the does. passion. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, but like, tell me like, you smelled the earth today. <laughs> right. Did you walk barefoot? Yeah. Hug the tree. Come on. One deep breath. Just do it with me. One deep breath. That's like my thing. I'm like, oh, it's so. <sighs> oh, Thank you. That is good. It's interesting how many 
people just don't do it. They just don't want it. They're like, you. yeah, I, I'm breathing. And I'm like, no, like deeply. They're like, I am breathing. And I was like, okay. Deeper still. <laughs> see. Huh. So let's see. So yeah, it just sort of evolved from that single conversation that we had about food and what we could do to grow the community. And it snowballed in a way where support was just coming in from left and right. So we're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what do we do? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is, uh, this is growing. This is going fast. That's awesome. <laughs> and re- quickly realizing that it's something that, that has been needed. That yeah. I feel like that bridge, it's a, I keep seeing it as a bridge. It's a communication bridge. It's how do you have that conversation with people unless you just have to start and it's mm-hmm. hard. And I feel like my, <laughs> the things that I've gone through say, you know, even with my religious upbringing, I've really prepared me for this. I can see it now. It's like, now I can use all the tools in my tool belt. I've been waiting for this Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm excited. So I'm like, Oh yeah, I could do that. Talk to anybody off the street. I got you. Hey, let me tell you about this thing. Eat this nasturtium. <laughs> it's right. usually how I lead into it. I go pick it. It's like the one of the most beautiful plants in the garden right now. So I like mm-hmm. take a little piece. I'm like, excuse me, would you like to eat this nasturtium? <laughs> People <laughs> like, hell like, yeah. What? No, no, that's not. <laughs> usually it takes some convincing. Sure. But, you know, I'm a good saleswoman. So. Sure. It works. And then sometimes, yes, they they do eat it and they're like, wow, this is interesting. You have the spicy, you know, strange, beautiful, round green when you eat it. Yes, it's food and it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Came from the I ground. Know. Yeah, it's just, that's it. Even if it doesn't go past that, that's planting a seed. It's just, boom, it's giving the little bit of introduction to it. So with all of the resources and support, we are like, all right, let's dream big. Like, what can you do to, uh, you know, bes- besides, uh, so gar- it started out with gardening and we're like, okay, what if that's not someone's thing? You know, it's like the, the bottom line is nature, right? But also the fact that nature isn't separate from who we are. We are nature. We just forgot. and <laughs> and you know, it's the oneness of that and the importance of having, uh, having it be VIPOC is important because, you know, it's, it's, it's addressing the color of the skin issue. I'm going to call it an issue (laughs) and providing a place to heal and move through that, you know, back with the outdoors and, it something about it it's it reminds us of who we are like that it is a connection and so you evolved from you evolved from like the gardening aspect of things to Mm -hmm. to more i don't want to say more but also involving like recreation and things like yoga and um like that yeah moving the body Yeah. yeah so it's funny that you say yoga so this, I'm going to introduce Nia here. Nia's our other. So um, there's Lu- Melanie, Lewis, Nia. These are all like the core, like if you say, if you will, like founding members of the group. Mm-hmm. So Lewis brings in, you know, the the words. He's on. He's honestly like the words master. He types up like, you know, emails if we need. He's just great with getting the information together. And Nia... Uh, is been doing uh, yoga teeth classes for years now, and her specialty is also in early childhood education. Uh, and her passion is doing it all through like the connection to nature, the oneness, mm-hmm. and like realizing that that's who you are. She embodies it, and it's really beautiful to watch her um, be a mother now, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing that she's brought up that uh, I just love is it reintroducing yoga, not as yoga kind of comes, you know, words now kind of come with 
a preconceived idea of what it is. So we're going to introduce it as mindful movement, uh, which makes, I was like, it makes way more sense to me because it's not always just about the positions that you need to put yourself in. It's my, it's being mindful that your body does move in a certain way. So alignment to those things is key, uh, but it doesn't need to look quite a certain way. You know, yeah. it's how does it feel? Does it feel better to stretch this way on this side for three minutes, but this side kind of maybe, you know, more this way because your body's different yeah. learning to listen to that. Um That's great because it's intimidating to walk into a yoga class sometimes because you're like, I don't know uh, the tree pose. I don't know downward dog. Like I've heard the words, but it doesn't make sense to me. Right. And if they're just thrown in and I've, I've been a part of those classes because I, you know, I'm an adventurous person. I don't really let a lot of things stop me from doing something. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yoga, let's do it. I'm out. What do I know? I think it was Bikram yoga was my first time uh, with it. Yeah. Is interesting, and yeah, I I I almost walked out, but they wouldn't let me, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, coming to the breath, it was intimidating. Like I had to look around. Luckily, I I've been in like dance classes all my life, so I was able to just mimic like the movements, like as they came. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, sure. Oh yeah, breathe. Passing out. Oh, uh, you know. <laughs> It's not necessarily for, for, uh, tender hearts. Right. <laughs> so, um, which is a great lead into, uh, uh, the importance of creating safe spaces to experience these outdoor recreational sports, if you will, or, mm-hmm. you know, just different activities that are, you know, white dominated areas and i mean that just kind of comes with the area we're in honestly so it's that's we we can only meet the needs of our community <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of what it is but it doesn't mean that they're hostile environments you just don't know and for a lot of the times someone that may you know have my skin color I, personally I've been in places like, yeah, I want to explore that space, but honestly, I'm scared that if I go in, like I'm going to experience something unpleasant and I just don't want to put myself in that situation. So, you know, how do we know unless there's that bridge of communication and be like, Hey, you know, these people are great. You know, this is what, you know, I'm doing with my disc golf community. I'm like, Hey, you know, these people are great. It's not that they don't want you here. It's like, there's just no, uh, that's not in their immediate community. So yeah. it's hard to make that happen, but we are making it happen. <laughs> no, I, I that's, that's awesome. Um, I wanted to ask you about that because it's kind of all over your guys' mission statement of creating uh, a space where people of color can be with other people of color in these activities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, what is like the most one or two important things of having uh, a community of people who uh, maybe look or grew up like you or have the same stories as you as you're introducing yourself to those types of activities? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the main thing that jumps out, honestly, is it's like a support group. Um, it's like group therapy in a way mm-hmm. where if you can relate with other people, these things and bounce off ideas maybe on like how someone else has moved through their things and just knowing that it's not just you especially in a time where we've been isolated in different in so many different ways it's it's even more important to hear these conversations and you know there's so many levels of involvement within that, even if it's just like a spectator, you know, someone's just sitting and listening, they're getting just as much out of it as someone who's actively, you know, you know, talking with everyone, yada, yada, this, we've seen all of that um, with the past meetups that we've had. And so, you know, the, the main important thing is that people get what, what they're wanting to get out of it if that makes sense for just providing the (laughs) space for them to play it's like you know come like this is obviously the intention is to heal and whatever that looks like to you 
cool. And this is the, your safe space to do it. Um, and <laughs> it's, uh, so for example, we were at the Lake Naka mix in, uh, Lake first, um, what was it? Paddleboarding. Yeah. And, you know, the, the lake itself was, was built by, you know, under slavery and like, you know, that was Native American land, yada, yada. Uh, and so those are the things that we're talking about there. Meanwhile, we're getting the looks and the stares and it's, it's a lot easier to take those things on when you're in a group setting and you feel safe because you have people around you and we're not necessarily there to be defensive. We're just there to let it slide off our backs and enjoy the nature no matter what, you know, mm -hmm. if people get grumpy, you know, because uh, how many people were, it was their first time doing any water sport, let alone paddleboarding. So yeah. there were some very terrified individuals out on the water that faced their fears. And, and paddleboarding can be so tricky. Beautiful. I mean, it's yeah. not like an immediate um, thing that you're good at. I mean, you start yeah. kind of like on your belly and then you get on your knees for a while. And then when you get brave, you're doing your, your standing. So yeah, oh, yeah. Like you get a lot of screams and yelps as you're getting used to it. Totally. And imagine like a a busy day on the lake <laughs> where yeah. people are trying to pass by on their boats and, you know, getting frustrated and it's like, Oh, there's no need, you know, uh, being, imagine if like you were to have tried that on your own, yeah. it's not necessarily, you know, it's like as enjoyable and you're not, you know, you may not like it. And that's, that's sad because it's totally. like, oh, don't, don't give up. Try it again. You know, it's just the experience. Um, so yeah, that's why it's really important. Yeah. That's like the, the main part is just being in a group, introducing people to different things. Um, you know, this may be your jam, this may not. And we don't know. So it's like, well, how many different things can we do? Um, and it's been really great to have, like, for example, with the paddleboarding, Miss Melanie Yoga, you know, she was so more than willing to be uh, leading that for us. And yeah. that was like um, a good, what do they call it? An allyship. The term yeah. is that's mm -hmm. being used now. Um, and to be able to facilitate that, that bridge, be like, hey, yeah, this this person's going to teach us a thing and it's great. And we're not going to talk about the color of anybody's skin in this space, even though it's kind of what we're here for, but it's saying, Hey, like this is a safe environment and not everyone that looks like this or that acts like this or that. Sure. You know? So it's, yeah. it's, yeah, uh, it's a very, we're, we're, we're messing with a lot of blurred lines here. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so you know, we're slowly learning these things uh, and where to draw boundaries. And it's, it's you know, it's how you say, um, it's a little bit tangled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, like, I like the blurred yeah. lines. I mean, that's I think of like a watercolor painting where uh, you're throwing together all these different colors and things are melding together. And it might not be exactly the painting you were going for at the beginning, but at the end, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful piece of art that you're happy with, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're dealing with so many different, you know, peoples and experiences. So mm -hmm. it's just like a tapestry of, yeah. uh, of people and feelings. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of roadblocks to um, outdoor recreation. Yes. But even like gardening and like all the things we've talked about for anybody to get into um, there are roadblocks, like someone who wants to learn how to stand up paddleboard. It's like, okay, like, do I rent a paddleboard? Do I have to buy one? Like, where do I find mm -hmm. this? Um, mm -hmm. I had a conversation with a couple other people on this podcast about representation in outdoor mm -hmm. recreation and we talked about how, you know, my friend Barry grew up in Florida and he uh, was scared of the outdoors. He thought it was like everything was going to kill you outside and all this stuff where my, my upbringing was total opposite. You know, like we love yeah. sharks and spiders. Um, and so I, I oftentimes think that white people are more, much more represented 
paddleboarding, for example, or mm-hmm. going to their yoga class and things like that. Do you feel like that's a barrier that you guys are working to, to get past? Yes, definitely. Um, it's it's been very similar stories about just being afraid of the out, being made afraid of the outdoors. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, like a conditioning thing. Um, you know, it's just it it kind of goes back. There's some stories that not stories. <laughs> uh, I don't know the histories very well. I just read it, and it's you know the information that I receive. It's just not my own. Yeah. Uh, coming so I don't know it as well but you know just what was it I yeah I don't even want to talk about it because I don't want to misrepresent it um but it's something I can send you <laughs> yeah I love that <laughs> if you want to read it it's something Lewis wrote up about so um it's something uh, I can share too like in the sh- show notes I can link to the to the article and um have people read it because yeah, I think that's that important people, that people do no, their it, own research too. Like mm-hmm. I can't go ask, you know, I can, I can have somebody share freely with me, but I can't go mm-hmm. ask somebody, why do you feel this way? I feel like that's super unfair mm-hmm. um, for me to ask mm-hmm. that kind of question. What so, I'm saying <laughs> is that I feel like I shouldn't burden um, like my friend Barry, for example, for having to explain his experiences to me it should be on myself to educate myself to go into that conversation knowing I had a completely different um, experience than he has had and uh, approach it from that direction rather than I don't know if it's reliving a trauma or you know like visiting that scary place again Um, but having such a parallel different experience with it I feel like it's hard for me to um, ask that person to fully flesh it out and explain to me, like, why do you feel this way about this? Right. Yeah. It's definitely uh, emotionally heavy and jarring, but uh, I think that those who do come, come past and through it or have had people in their lives, um, bring them outdoors and, you know, be that guide and say, oh yeah, like camping's no big deal. You know, it's it's not that it's really not a lot going on, and they're just not scary, really. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard. I've come across different different people that say, oh well, black people just don't don't do that. Why why would I go on a bike ride? Or, you know, why would I go hiking? Like that's just not what we do. You know, I wasn't raised to do that, and so then you you just get stuck and I'm like, no, come out, <laughs> come play. Yeah. It's fine. You know, it's, it's okay. And the, the curiosity is there. It's just, um, you just gotta, I don't know. Not everyone can get themselves out to do it and that's okay. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh but we just, we must, the ones that are brave enough to, you know, rattle that and get someone to come out we must do that yeah yeah <laughs> we and must so, create the safe space it's like what can i do to make you interested or like not make you interested but you know i don't know under i guess be there to understand and talk about mm-hmm. those things um, because it's different for everyone you know i i've had different scare tactics um not necessarily with being outdoors mine was very opposite honestly like my my grandfather was he just, he saw my curiosity for nature and he just fed it and he's like, here, eat this, taste this, you know, always was growing different things in the backyard. And that's where I spent most of my time. So, uh, I always knew that being outside was what I needed in my life to be happy. Mm-hmm. So, um, so your grandfather for you was that guide into the outdoors. That was the person that grabbed your hand and said, this is, this is okay. What you're yeah. feeling is great. This is what you're supposed to feel. And then he mm-hmm. kind of like brought you along into that world. Yep. Yep. We all need a little guide. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So like someone like myself, um, I, I spent several years uh, like as an outdoor adventure guide, whitewater, rock climbing, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people like me um, who I think would be great people to 
facilitate that to be the handhold to to be out into those things. Um, are there other programs like Afros in Nature like across the United States, or are there like things that someone like myself could do to like further your guys's mission on a larger scale, you know, outside of your community? Word. Um, I don't, okay. So the only specific ones I know of are, um, who is it? It's in New Jersey, Afros by nature. <laughs> it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I met them at a farmer's market, we were dropping off some produce and, uh, you know, I started following them on Instagram and they go out and they go and spend time outdoors doing, you know, just passing down knowledge. It's like an older couple that leads the group and, um, they, yeah, they do different, um, what's it called? I'm not sure what they're doing now because of the season there because of the what's going on. Um, but they were doing a lot of different workshops and things. Uh, but honestly, I don't <laughs> in the, in our general area is really all I'm aware of that there are people that like do fundraisers for different things and help out, but nothing that's specific to getting, BIPOC out into nature. Um, but the, I think that's slowly going to shift and move. And, you know, that's our only hope is that other people just start doing it in their communities. Like you just, just do it. Like it's not necessarily needing to be a part of something. It just helps. It's like, okay, well, how can we pull together our resources to uh, benefit the people around us? And that just happen to evolve into um you know we're thinking about going full-on nonprofit, and um you know working on the cafe has been <laughs> kind of a big next step for our group um to facilitate the things that we want to do and take what we're doing to a more mm, bigger scale like mm, not like bigger but like self-sustaining like stable i should say like something tangible um that that we can really just sky's the limit you know what whatever comes our way what people want to do and however this evolves like this will be the place where that grows and like the womb of it at all um given that you do have okay so you get to a place where you're uh self-sustaining and then you get to a place where uh, the buy-in continues and continues. Now, all of a sudden, you have the resources, uh, you have everything you need to pursue your guys' goal. I mean, what's the moonshot for you guys? What do you go for at that point? Oh, boy. Yeah. It was not very hard to answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if, if it was all available right here, right now, we would open the shop soon. So it's a nonprofit cafe mm-hmm. is what we're going for. Um, cafe meaning like a light coffee bar and uh, like grab and go food, but it's all uh, made with hopefully veg- as many vegetables as we can grow, essentially, which we just got... Um, we just have not had an opportunity presented to us. Some really lovely people offered their farmland for us to use if we wanted to grow food. And so that's been such a lovely opportunity that, that it's been there. So that has us dreaming, wow, now we can grow as much food as we want. And, you know, there's already going to be a garden space there also. So it's going to be... Um, a homestead cafe sort of space where we're going to hope to have a little greenhouse and some raised beds and it'll be like a, a hub of education essentially mm-hmm. it'll be like an educational garden space we're going to grow as much as we can there and flowers um it's a part shade area so you know a lot of herbs and greens um, there's a great great little 
dark corner with some sun that um, I'm dreaming will be a mushroom garden. And we already have a few uh, people that we've met in the community that want to be all all up in that mushroom garden. So I'm very excited about that. Um, And they have the passion for those things. So it's like, cool, you know, it's like, we've got mycology, we've got, you know, seeds starting, we're going to have a greenhouse, hopefully. Um, Oh, my other dream is to grow spirulina there and to teach uh, the community there about that untapped, beautiful resource. Um, Can you tell everybody what spirulina is? Yes, spirulina is a cyanobacteria um, that is ancient. It's like one of like... I don't know. It's like the one of the first bacteria to to perform photosynthesis to get its food, and so it's like that bridge between, um, like the like the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom, or whatever. Yeah. Something. No, wait. I think that part's wrong. But it's a spiral shape, and it grows in water. You could grow it in a fish tank, essentially, um, under the right conditions and uh, nutrient mediums. And it's it just it doesn't use a lot of water. It gives you all the nutrition that your body really needs. Um, it has a great protein uh, content. Uh, it's like all the B vitamins and amino acids. It's just, it's such a, it's such a fascinating chemist, really. The, it takes all these different minerals and it just creates life. It's, it's absolutely fantastic, like phenomenal. Um, and you can, once it's, once you start harvesting it, you can harvest every day and it's just grows so fast. Um, so being able to provide new like that form of nutrition right in the heart of the community like it's just there's been studies that um that they've done with children that are malnourished and it reverses their malnutrition within like wow two weeks not even and yeah it's insane so oh my god it's like okay Uh, the question I get is like, well, who's going to listen to you about spirulina? That's weird. You know, nobody knows about that. That's going to be hard to, you know, talk to them like, Oh, listen here. (laughs) I was like, the secret is you just got to feed people. And we've got Melanie Lino who can turn anything delicious uh, or anything funny into something delicious. Her creations are just crazy. And so, yeah, I was like, we're going to, cook food we're gonna i'm gonna put it in some tortillas like whatever like it's gonna be cool like it's gonna be great <laughs> right <laughs> like, See, it's, just... it's a place where you guys are gonna get the opportunity to mix good strange foods education it sounds like you're gonna be uh taking some mexican inspiration of your food and throwing it into these different dishes and things like that so i mean it sounds <laughs> yeah. amazing yeah yeah it's it's gonna rock I'm really hoping. And honestly, I don't think it couldn't (laughs) just with, just with, it's uh, just so crazy blessed to have this group of people. And then the, uh, so I don't know. We, so the winter seasons are coming, right? Or this winter season is upon us, I should say. (laughs) And with that comes, it's going to be harder for us to want to get, you know, natural born heat lovers, I should say out mm-hmm. into the wilderness. And mm-hmm. so, um, I have a couple plans. We have a couple plans for maybe raising, uh, like doing like a clothing drive, like outdoor, like, you know, preparedness drive people that may have extra things that could be donated. And that way, there's that alleviates that roadblock of like, Oh, that's expensive. You know, those clothes are expensive or wool socks are expensive. You know, it's like being prepared can be expensive. Um, so we're going to try to alleviate some of those things, uh, which is why we provide as much of these workshops and activities for free as possible. So, um, a lot of the times the people that facilitate these activities, if they're, you know, if it's their profession, they'll provide a discount. And then from there, Afros uh, in nature will pay for 
you know, per head, the people that attend. So um, that way the people that attend can, you know, just either worry about getting there. Um, and hopefully in the future we'll be able to, you know, provide Uber cards or, you know, bus, you know, fares or, you know, what have you, so mm-hmm. that that eliminates that altogether. Uh, yeah. So with the winter coming, we're going to start doing like a pottery workshop, uh, which is sold out um, already, and also start a book club that this beautiful woman, Alicia, is heading up. This is like one of our newer add-ons to the group and she brings with her she's like but getting her master she's a master's student at lee no i get lehigh and lafayette like mixed up it's lehigh (laughs) and so that's going to be very interesting she's her you know her passion is you know writers of color and like introducing that and the different topics of through literature and that I'm very excited about for the season because it's definitely more of a like come inside, you know, stay in, cozy up and uh, yeah, move through these things. And that's, this is the time to do it. I feel it's like kind of just right in sync with that. Uh, I want to grow tomatoes off the side of the building. They're a little, (laughs) (laughs) they're a little like patty, like not, there's like these rooftop sections because it's a mansion. So it's like three stories tall and then it's like really funky shaped. Um, So I looked at these rooftop areas and I looked at the developer and said, Lucy, Ann, I was like, can we have a green space here? She said, oh yeah, whatever you want. I was like, hmm, whatever I want, right? I was like, so tomatoes growing on the side of the building? She's like, yeah, yeah, do it. Whatever. That's whatever awesome. you want. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Finally, because I want to see tomatoes go wily. Usually, you know, growing tomatoes, you have to be all pruny with them. And yeah, 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 yeah because they go crazy. And I'm like, let them be crazy. Let them be crazy. And be crazy. I want to see what they can do. <laughs> yeah. That's and it'll be the only place for them to get the proper sunlight. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just it's it's just uh, whatever goes grows from there. But being able to create the space uh, for the community to come and grow and whatever, and being able to provide that. Um, so we've got we've got plans. Awesome! <laughs> that is so cool. Um, I feel like we could go on for a long time here, but yeah. I respect your time. Um, Likewise. Okay. Before we get into the last five questions, is there anything that you want to touch on that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah, I may want to do a little shout out to a couple of great like people or allies, I should say, that like we wouldn't have been able to like say get the garden done if it wasn't for you know Hunter Hill. <laughs> yeah. They provided us with like the the mulch essentially. They helped us fill our beds with like a mushroom compost Mm -hmm. and seeds and plant starters that they had already had, um, which is beautiful. And then bond place brewery, which is like caddy corner, the garden, you know, we've been hoarding our garden supplies there and they just like whatever we need, you know, um, they're there for us. And so it's been great to have the support of the community in that way. Just, yeah, it, it's been beautiful. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. It's good to have some shout yeah. outs. Yeah, <laughs> just a few. All right, final five questions. We'll start out pretty easy here. Uh, where can we find you on social media as well as Afros in Nature? Um, and then if people wanted to like donate or, uh, you know, maybe they live in Illinois or uh, Wisconsin, if they wanted to like help you guys out, can they, should they donate money? What, what's the best way to do that? Uh-huh. So we'll start from the back and work our way forward. Um, people can donate through our website. There's a link to our GoFundMe and the website is afrosinnature.org. Um, I believe like there's a drop down menu and that's, that's the way to like fiscally donate. Um, also 
other people that are more on the artsy, fartsy side of things. Um, I've seen do like art fundraisers or art drives with like, you know, a percentage of their sales goes to our club. And so that's been really lovely um, way to like, you know, for people to exercise their creativity and like, it's a little bit more of a give and take situation, yeah. which we're all about. Um and our Instagram for Afros and it's Afros at Afros in Nature. And I am Mandy Jim, I believe. Mandy Jim five. Nice. I'll throw <laughs> them in the show notes. Too. A, I'm a little bit of a private person. Right now it is public just because I wanted to share about the disc golf thing. Um but yeah, I like to be able to make connections and uh, that, that includes my social media. <laughs> cool. So, Very cool. What is uh, your favorite outdoor activity and why? Oh, my favorite outdoor activity is playing disc golf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and you got, you got a whole like <laughs> workshop coming up. Are you teaching that? Uh, no, I'm not. I will, I'll be helping out with a couple of things, but um, I'm going to hand it off to the disc club because they've just, they're the pros. They've been doing it for yeah. years. I've just been out there, you know, slinging my discs and, <laughs> yeah. you know, getting help myself from from the other people that are in the club. So uh, I want people to have that experience. But I love disc golf uh, because I love uh, running around. It's, you know, you throw. Well, I throw and I, I run. I'm like, yeah, let's go. And you know, my dog goes crazy. And, you know, that's just fun for us to be able to like, you know, kick our, kick our shoes off and get crazy in the woods and also play a game, which for me provides the right kind of like challenge for myself. Like I like, I like to be sporty, but I like one-on-one things so it's something I can do by myself even though it's odd most people go out in groups (laughs) that play the sport I'm the odd duck that just like oh yeah I play solo let's play doubles I'm like yeah no how about I just play doubles with myself (laughs) it's hard hard for me to do teams sometimes so Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's it's all honestly been a great place for me to practice working through my uh what you call, you know, just being hard on myself. Yeah. Uh, every, you know, sometimes all you do is hit a tree and it's using the calmness of the environment to be able to work on not being harsh and being more loving and saying mm-hmm. things with loving intention towards the self and being able to watch that translate into my daily life uh, has been, has been just awesome it it makes me it's just self-empowering um to be able to work on loving yourself in that way and yeah that that's that's why i love it that is freaking awesome i love it uh (laughs) question number three what is your favorite place that you've ever been to outdoors oh my favorite place ever outdoors uh, anywhere in a tree, really. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, because the, the only the, the things I'm thinking of, I'm like, well, that time I was in that tree, and then there's the, the time I was in that tree. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know that disc golf course in Texas. You know, it, you know, I don't know, next to this like waterfall thing in a tree, um, or in a river by a river. Uh, it's hard to say just one. I just like the connection to the tree. I always find the tree, the one tree, wherever I'm at, wherever I move. Uh, one person did ask me about how do I find what's it called stability if you know with the moving around so much. Yeah, because it is important, and I've learned that within the past few years, uh, my importance of it. Um, yeah, it's finding my it's finding that tree that I connect with that I can like go to for you know, comp- you know I'm gonna go visit my tree and you know I do a whole thing <clears throat> almost like a ritual sort of like with breathing and you know just yeah. uh, it always usually ends with okay what's the message tree you know and there's always you know something something that 
that speaks right to where I'm at. And that helps me feel like that's my center. So that's my favorite place ever. <laughs> There's a lot of wisdom in those old trees. Oh boy. You see, yes. <laughs> All right. Question number four is a little bit trickier. Uh, it's a little bit okay. more than, uh, you know, like favorite things. Uh, so what is something that you see today as a blessing that maybe in the moment you saw as a mistake? Hmm. Well, honestly, uh, moving up to Pennsylvania in some ways at some points felt like I had made a mistake mm-hmm. and I almost moved outway because of it. Yeah. Um, I almost gave up on, on it and my intentions. Um, but, uh, the universe just didn't want to let me leave. <laughs> yeah. And it, some things just, it, it turned into one of the biggest lessons of my life. Really. I found my tribe and that changed my whole life. And like, I feel like I found my life in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, I found me. <laughs> so. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, before I go to question number five, I just want to acknowledge you and, uh, the whole team there at Afros in Nature. Um, your mission to bring people into the outdoors to me is intensely inspiring and the way that you guys are doing it through education and through, uh, really like thoughtful programming and things that are, are really, like we said, tangible to the, to people and you're bringing Mm -hmm. them in and you're helping other people find their families and you're helping other people find their way. Uh, in this world. So I love the work you guys are doing. I love, I love following you guys on Instagram. It's been such a cool adventure for, uh, you know, to find you guys and to do that. And I'm, I'm very grateful that you chose to uh, talk with us tonight. Thank you. No, it's been such a joy. All right. Question number five. Are you ready? Yeah. When it's all said and done, when you're gone and all we have to talk about is the legacy that you've left behind as we're sitting around the campfire, maybe having some tequila. Um, what do you hope people are talking about when they're talking about you? Um, probably just the things that they learned <laughs> that helped yeah. them um, through different things. That would be really cool. Um, maybe nasturtiums. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, she made me get this nasturtium one time and I thought, it was poisonous or something, <laughs> you know, right. or like, oh, I remember how she would just put plantain on us. Like, Oh, was that a cut? You know, waiting for people to get cut so that I could rub some plantain on right. them. <laughs> like spit or whatever. Ooh, <laughs> maybe not now, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let me show you how you can spit on yourself. <laughs> and she was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the best ones are always the crazy ones. Yeah, the wackadoo, like yeah. ooh wee. But yeah, um, yeah, that's a that's a good one. That's a good one. That's that's kind of so honestly, it was weird. It's kind of the idea of who I saw myself being as an old lady is sort of what ended up bringing me up here. Um, really. Yeah, I was polishing silverware at the coffee shop I was working at. And at this point, you know, I hustle the coffee shop scene because it's a great way to get to know the community when you move around. And everybody drinks coffee everywhere you go. So you're bound to get a job if you can be good at what you do. (laughs) So I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay. It's like, obviously, like this isn't like the end game. So what is my end game? Like, where do I want to be what I want to do? when I saw this little old lady, <clears throat> she was uh, on the side of the mountain in a little shack with like a goat and like a cow, definitely at least two cows just for companionship. Cause I think they're cool. And you know, living off the land. It's like, okay, well maybe I need to learn how to grow food. Like, yeah. I don't know. This sounds like an idea. So just swear it is. Yeah. And then, yep, like I said, you put it out in the universe and then it's like, okay, well, here's this person and here's this person and here's this random event that's taking you to Pennsylvania. I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Very cool. I wasn't cool. about to question that. All right. Like, Sometimes things just got to happen. 
Yeah, as close to the northeast as I can get. Okay, let's go. That's far, right? Okay, cool. Halfway across the country, right? All right. Hey, mom, I'm leaving next week. (laughs) (laughs) What an adventure. Well, um, thank you so much for talking tonight. Uh, I really think there's so many little fun snippets in here uh, people are going to fall in love with. So, um, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep up the good work. And uh, I'm excited about our friendship. I'm excited to meet you and uh, continue that. So, Likewise. I want to end our conversation with that excerpt that Amanda mentioned in the podcast that their colleague Lewis wrote. It goes like this. Afros in Nature is a grassroots organization aimed at connecting Black, Indigenous, and people of color, BIPOC, to the outdoors. Historically, African-American slaves built an extreme awareness of the natural world, and some used the forest as a religious escape, congregating in the woods to practice their form of Christianity. However, Goodrid argues that a dark side to this environmental relationship existed, as slaves risked severe consequences for assembling in secluded steal-away spaces. Afros in Nature was founded on understanding and recognizing the long-standing issues between race and the natural environment. Recently, there has been a mounting of evidence that suggests black Americans do not go out in nature as much as people of other ethnicities, despite the positive benefits of Mother Earth. Being in nature helps to reduce blood pressure, heart rate, muscle tension, anger, anxiety, and stress. Therefore, the mission of our group is planting seeds of safety in natural environments so individuals can create a self-sustaining lifestyle with love, support, and community. And if that doesn't set your soul on fire, I don't know what else will. I always find myself so inspired by every person that I get the chance to talk to. Amanda was no exception. Her energy was absolutely infectious, and her willingness to be vulnerable and share her own stories right off the bat was extremely powerful. As always, if you love this episode, please pick two or three people to share it with and send it over to them. If you haven't already, go ahead and leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. I am so grateful for all of you that have already done that. As Amanda said, there's a few different ways to get involved with Afros in Nature, so I'm going to post some links in the show notes to their Instagram account. Go ahead and give them a follow and stay in tune to what they are doing. And as always, my friends, remember, adventure comes to those who go.